Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Uh, my name is Pastor Steve. For those of you who I have not met, and I have the privilege of opening up the scriptures this morning. This morning, we're going to be in Matthew 28. Uh, verses 19 and 20, and if you have been a follower of Jesus for uh, a long time, this may be a very familiar passage to you. If you have not uh, been a follower of Jesus and somebody just, uh, you here because somebody invited you to brunch and you don't even know about Matthew 28, let alone the rest of the Bible, um, it is a commissioning of Jesus uh, to his followers. And so that's the essence of what uh, chapter 28, the the final uh, section of Matthew 28 is. And also, um, I I would say, too, that um, in this commission, we find our actual purpose in uh, in life. And so as much as it is a very familiar passage of Scripture, I hope to uh, shine a particular angle uh, on this familiar passage for those of us who have been followers of Jesus for a long time. Um, and yet maybe just a fresh new perspective if you have not. So when you've got Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20, do me a favor and shout, I got it. And when you've got it, would you please rest on your feet as we read the scriptures together. Verse 19, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The very words of Scripture. Amen. You may be seated. I come from a family with a long lineage of military service. So my dad was in the military. Uh, People would say that he always felt like it was the best thing that he ever did with his life. And my grandfather was actually a major in the Army. Um, And so a number of aunts and uncles have served Air Force, Army, um, served in the Navy. And so I oftentimes, growing up, thought that it would be something that I uh, I would actually enlist into one of the armed forces. And, uh, And so, as a matter of fact, my aunt, as uh, my great aunt, my grandmother's sister, um, uh, she moved to Washington, D.C. with her husband, who was in the military um, in the late 1960s, and she went down to the phone company and applied for a job and had to take some tests to be a clerk with the phone company, and, and she didn't get a call back. And uh, all the while, uh, sort of in my family, the idea of of being in armed forces for a number of African-American people in the 60s and 70s uh, really gave them their first opportunity at having a regular job. Uh, In other words, to to be uh, outside of the sphere of what was granted to them to uh, have purpose and have an actual career in a lot of ways. And I tell the story about my uh, great aunt because... She got a call back from that same phone company as her husband was serving in the armed forces in D.C. a year later, and 
she got hired. And she realized that what had happened between the year before and the year after was that they had changed their policy to hire African-American people. She had integrated the phone company in Washington, D.C. in the 1960s. And it was an opportunity for black people in 50 years ago, uh, one generation away, uh, a couple generations away, to have like a regular career. Um, and yet the military was, was so, so she integrated the phone company. That phone company is actually AT&T now, by the way. Uh, so they integrate the phone company. Uh, she integrates the phone company, uh, regular job. But, but the military was always something that uh, my family thought was a beneficial thing to uh, have a career and kind of have a purpose and give, uh, give someone direction in life. And so aunts, uncles, uh, different people uh, who are a part of uh, of my family all signed up for the military, and uh, it was opportunities that uh, that they were given that really made them feel like they could establish a family and have a career. Uh, ironically enough, though, historically speaking, and this is for free, I, I'm just giving you this for free, uh, many uh, African-American soldiers, when they came back from World War II, were not given the GI Bill, uh, which was actually uh, something that uh, helped a lot of people cultivate and develop generational wealth, uh, hence the reason for the disparities in the wealth gap uh, to this day. Uh, and yet in the 1960s and 70s, uh, being a part of the, the military for my family made a lot of people feel like they had a sense of direction and uh, a sense of purpose. And so I always thought that it might be a part of my life. And uh, I, I went to the, uh, the Army Recruiting uh, Center and took the test to see what I would uh, apply for and stuff like that. And I, I got back and I told my mother about it, and, and she just was super uneasy about it, right? Uh, my, my mom's husband had passed away. My dad had passed away. Her brother had passed away. My, mother had pa my grandmother had passed away. So in that uh, inner circle of people, and we had just started to go off to war in Iraq. So, uh, or at least we're, we're deep into the war in Iraq. And, and so I, there was always this hesitation that I, I don't know if I could do that to my mom. I don't know if I could put her in the spot to, to wonder whether or not um, I would be coming back. And so I, I chose not to do it. And so I don't, I don't know this, uh, this by experience, but any of my former armed forces or current armed forces, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a distinction between a commissioned officer in the armed forces and an uncommissioned officer in the armed forces. Uh, a commissioned officer is someone who uh, trains a, a platoon of soldiers, someone, uh, someone who is a part of uh, sort of the, the uplifting and morale of a, a team of people, and uh, they're helping get them prepared to go off and serve. And, and an uncommissioned soldier similarly is a part of the team. They do uh, the work of a soldier, but they are not uh, charged with leading in the training and morale of other people. 
As we get ready to come to our passage this morning, uh, Jesus, in essence, has said that he has been given all authority under heaven and earth. Uh, And this, what we have in our passage, is actually the commissioning of officers. It is, uh, it is to say that Jesus, uh, you disciples, you, you have spent the last three years with me as uncommissioned officers. You uh, have watched the way that I live. You have, uh, you have seen the way that I treated uh, people. You have experienced my rhythm of life when I rest, when I pray, when I go up to uh, a desolate place to meet with my father. You've uh, you've seen how I interacted with other people. You have spent time with me around uh, a dinner table. You've participated as members of the team, as uncommissioned officers, but now all authority has been given to me, and now I am commissioning you as commissioned officers. You are now people uh, who are going to be charged with the training and the leading and the morale and the multiplication of followers of Jesus. And this commissioning is not just a commissioning to the 12 disciples, but it is, it is a commissioning to every follower of Jesus that comes after them. And in essence, that's, that's what I want to talk about this morning. I, I want to talk about being commissioned officers of the kingdom of God. Being commissioned officers of the kingdom of God. I want to preach from that subject, commissioned. Commissioned. Some of y'all are wondering where Fred Hammond and Marvin Sapp got the name commissioned. Only the brown people understand that one. It is from this passage. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and for your kindness towards us, and we pray now that as we open up your word, that you would open up our eyes to see magnificent things that are in it. Holy Spirit, it is to that end that I am available to you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. So Jesus has just spent uh, the past three years pouring into these uncommissioned officers, and they've watched the rhythm of his life. And as we've been moving through this sermon series, if you haven't been hanging out with us the past several weeks, we've been moving through our mission and vision. And uh, Pastor Derek uh, likes to say all the time, renew, rebuild, and release. Renew, rebuild, and release. And uh, the, the mission of Renewal Church of Chicago is for people to be renewed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in essence, the, the life of Jesus, the sacrificial death of Jesus, the uh, physical resurrection of Jesus, where he takes on uh, our sin debt, all the different times that we built our lives on things other than God, all the times when we do good things with the wrong motive, all the times that we do bad things with the wrong motive, all, all the times uh, all the times that we do stuff that we know that we're not supposed to do and we do it anyway, Jesus takes on all of that in one moment in time uh, on the cross, past, present, and future, takes on all of our sin debt, rises in victory over Satan, sin, and death after he dies, and now he commissions us 
with that message. Now we, we are renewed and continually renewed by the reality of the fact that uh, I, I know that my performance is the thing that got me the job that I got and that, and that my performance got me into the school that I went to and, and my performance got me, uh, uh, got me favor with my parents and all of that. But even when, when I fail at this thing, even though I'm trying by the power and work of the Holy Spirit that resides on the inside of me, I get to remind myself that I'm not standing in my righteousness. I'm not standing in my performance. I'm standing in the performance of Jesus. And so I get to be renewed by that message every day. And it's the message that helps me grow. But also, it is a call to be rebuilt. There are some new things about our lives that have to change as people who have been renewed by that message. And so we've been talking over the past couple of weeks about discipleship, discipleship. And for many of us, there's sort of like it can have a convoluted kind of meaning. And some of us can think of ourselves or think, think of the word discipleship and think, oh, that means, uh, that means that you have to be like a, a superhero Christian, right? That's what it means to be a disciple is to be a superhero cr- Christian. Or uh, others of us have come from a, a different tradition. Uh, and, or maybe you didn't, you, you, like I said, you just here for brunch, right? And you just heard the word disciple, and oh, that just means that you're a zealot, or you're somebody uh, who uh, who is uh, just super in uh, to Jesus, right? And and yet, what the more specific definition of being a disciple is not having it all together, but it's the idea of being a, a person who reproduces themselves. Uh, it is to be uh, it is to be a uh, to produce reproducing followers of Jesus. To produce reproducing followers of Jesus. It means nothing about perfection. It means nothing about knowing all the right information. Uh, it, 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 there's a part of it that has sharing your faith as a part of that, but it's way more than that. Uh, it, 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 it is an impartation of your life to other people so that they can then see how, what it means to walk with Jesus and love Jesus and follow God and live that out in such a way that they can then pass that on to somebody else. Uh, it is to produce reproducing followers uh, of, of Jesus. And so our text opens up and it says, uh, go therefore and make disciples. Go therefore and make disciples. And, and, and some of us may think to ourselves, like, oh, that means for, like the people who are called to, as missionaries to go uh, over to another country or called to go over to another city and stuff like that. But that's not specifically, so, for some of us, that's the reality of what God is going to do in our lives, is going to call us to go somewhere else other than where we are. And, and yet, the, the kind of grammar of this particular passage, many Bible scholars uh, believe it to mean this idea of as you are going, as you are going, make disciples. As you are going, produce reproducing followers of Jesus. As you are living your life, as uh, and some of us may be like, well, I don't know how long I'm going to be in Chicago. I don't know how long, I, like, I don't know how long that I, maybe I'm going to be somewhere else in another, another time period. That does, not, uh, that does not keep you from this commission to produce reproducing followers of Jesus. And as a matter of fact, Acts 17 and verse 26, the apostle Paul gets up in front of all of these Greek philosophers and he says, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. 
Let me help somebody. Watch this. You moved to Chicago because it was the Mecca of the Midwest, and you knew there was a great marketing, uh, uh, great, uh, great city for marketing, right? And yet the scripture says that God superintended your decision to be where you are. You, you went to that particular law school because you applied to that particular law school, and it was the best law school of all the law schools that you applied to. And yet the scripture is saying that God actually superintended where you've been placed. You have been placed on purpose, regardless of whether or not you grew up in Chicago or regardless of whether or not you moved to Chicago, God has placed you on purpose. And, and, uh, and so that, that means while you're here, be here. While you're here, be here. While you're here, Jay, get an Illinois driver's license. <laughs> Some of y'all, you got, a, you got your down, the down payment is already in, uh, in your savings account, and, and, and you, you're like, all right, but, you know, I don't know how long I'm going to be in, in Chicago. I don't know how long this, this is going to last and uh, this, that, and the other. And so should I commit to a church? Should I not? Should I become a member? Should, should I? Maybe I shouldn't buy a house. And, and God says, be, while you're here, be here. Y'all that got money to buy a house, buy a house. Because it does something in your soul that says, I'm here. I'm not waiting on the next thing or the next place or the next arrival or the next city or the next whatever. While I'm here, I'm here. And while I'm here, I've been commissioned. But Pastor Steve, the interest rate, interest rate, you don't even understand. The interest rate is 7%. Let me bless you with this. Let me watch this. Watch this. Jay, I'm, I'm no banker, but there's such a thing as refinance. That means in six months after you buy your house, you can refinance. And the interest rate ain't 7%. It's 5 And then it goes down for the rest of the year. That was for free. That was for free. <laughs> while you're here, be here. And while you're here, you've been commissioned. As you are lawyering, as you are, as you are, carpentering, as you are momming, as you are parenting, as you are constructing, whatever, whatever it is, as you're doing it, make disciples. Now, what does that mean? What does that, what does that look like? How, how do, as, as I'm going, uh, what, what does it mean to, to, to make disciples? And Steve, they, they, I don't, it's not just a space where I could open up uh, at my cubicle and start a Bible study at, at my, uh, my office space, right? We, half of us online right now, right? Um, it's, it's not to say start a Bible study. I remember when I was, uh, when I was in, in college, uh, in junior college, and I, didn't, I wasn't a follower of Jesus at the time, there was this guy named Lestan Hoskins. And Every time I saw Lestan and I passed him in the hallway, he would greet me. And he greeted me in such a way that I was like, have, have I met before and I forgot? And, 
And I just kept thinking, man, I must have met this dude somewhere before and we had a conversation at some point in time. And then I realized later on, no, I never met the guy. That's just the way he carried himself. And the way he carried himself, he carried himself that way because he was a follower of Christ. And there was something even in the passing in the hallway that I was like, what has he got? He has, and in the process, I, I didn't make the connection. I, had, I, learned late, or I, I learned then that he was a Christian, but then when I met up and talked with Pastor Derek, I realized, oh, Pastor Derek became a Christian. Okay, so he's got this kind of joy and compassion and, and empathy and concern for others that comes uh, with, and, and even selfishly, it was, it was, man, I just want to have that kind of joy. And there's something about when you've built your life not on your successes or on your ability to go up and to the right and everything, when you've built your life on the rock that is Jesus Christ, there's a certain level that the scripture says God keeps him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. And there's something about how when, when people interact with you over the course of time, even if it takes years, that maybe there's an opportunity over the course of time that based on you just being a disciple that then opens the door for somebody to come to know Jesus. It doesn't mean start a Bible study. It means follow Jesus faithfully in where God has placed you. Sometimes it might mean that. I remember when I worked at the shoe store, they asked me to. And I I was like, this is like the alley-oop of all alley-oops. And I still didn't do it. Uh, And so do it. Just go ahead and open, open the Bible. Click on the Bible project online and be like, this is, this is some stuff to help you understand what we're going to read, even if I don't know or understand it for, for myself. So that was Lestan. I just experienced him, and I wanted to know what he had. And uh, one of the things that I think that happens to us when, uh, when we, we know that we've been commissioned, but we're living our lives as moms or as lawyers or as uh, as parents of, of young children, or uh, we're living our lives as, as marketing experts at a marketing firm or consultants or, or whatever the case, as carpenters, whatever, whatever the case may be, I think what happens is that we don't create margin in the making of disciples. And so sometimes we think of it as uh, a lecture-based thing that we're just going to pass on information to somebody else, when really what we've been looking at the past several weeks is it, it's inviting people into our lives. It's watching them parent. It's watching them follow Jesus. It's watching uh, them uh, walk with God. It's, it's listening to how they pray. It's uh, what are the things that they're praying for? What are the things that they pray about? What are the things that they don't pray about that I pray about? What, what, are, what are the things that I should do? What are the things that I shouldn't do? It's a holistic perspective of what it means to love and follow Jesus. It's not just information. And yet what I think happens is that because we have no margin in our lives for discipleship, it's not a priority. And here's what happens. Let me read 2 Timothy 2 and verse 4 to you. It says, and the words will come up on the screen. It says, no one serving in the army gets entangled in everyday affairs. The soldier's aim is to please the enlisting officer. And 
what the Apostle Paul is sharing right in this passage is not that nothing that doesn't have to do with Jesus is, uh, is stuff that doesn't have to do with, do with Jesus is important. He's saying that sometimes in the process uh, of life, you can get your purposes mixed up. You can get your focus mixed up. And, and w- one of the things that I think that happens living in the world is that we, we, uh, we see what other people are doing and we think maybe the good life is on the other side of that. Right? And so, and, and we live in a Western American uh, world, so like everything that is like, man, if I get a promotion, that's the end goal. I got I got to work to I got to work to get this promotion and when I get this promotion then I'm gonna have more money and then I can afford more things and 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 then you get the promotion and you got more money and you realize man I I got more things and I I I spent a whole lot of time trying to get a promotion and I didn't have margin for the very thing that I was commissioned to do in the first place and so sometimes. I, this, I know this is going to rub. So, sometimes, l- listen, watch this. I know this, this, don't even, this don't even compute, so I just need you to let it marinate. Sometimes a promotion is not a good thing. Y'all uncomfortable yet? Sometimes, sometimes a promotion will require so much out of you that you're not able to participate in the thing that you've been commissioned to. And sometimes the promotion just makes you look at other people and see, well, they go on vacation every year to to so-and-so. And And vacation is a great thing. I would encourage you, take vacation. If you can afford vacation, please take vacation. It'll make you a better person in general towards everybody around you. But but we, we get on this trajectory of seeing what, well, so-and-so, they, their kids went into, they got into that school, and, and, and I want my kids to get into that school. And, and, and so getting into that school then means that I, I, I've got to prioritize pleasing my, my boss so that I can get that promotion. And, and all of a sudden now I'm, I'm, I'm up late, and, and I'm not saying don't work late nights, don't do your job with excellence. Do all of those things. But if the motivation is to please your boss and not to be a person commissioned by God to do your job with excellence so that you can show off God's glory, then your purpose has changed. And now you have no margin. Would you? I got this deal that I got to go do. And the deal that you got to go do always trumps the 19-year-old kid who wants to get coffee. Or the deal that you got to go do keeps you from even seeing the the people and the things around you that are the opportunity for the as you are going. Envy makes for a terrible purpose. And sometimes we can compare and contrast ourselves and what other people are doing and say, that must be what I need to do, all the while forgetting that we have been commissioned officers. And somebody's looking, what is my assignment for God, from God? What is my assignment that, that God wants me to participate in? What, what is the assignment that God has, has placed on my life 
all the while looking at some, God, you gave them an assignment. I know that you gave them an assignment. Why won't you give me uh, my assignment from God? What, what am I created to do? What are the, all the things? All the while missing out on the assignment that God already gave you, and he can't give you a new assignment, and I believe in assignments because you won't do the first thing that he told you to do. As you are going, produce reproducing followers of Jesus. As you you are going, produce reproducing followers of Jesus. It it means, man, man, somebody, you know, Pastor Steve, I I don't have anybody in my life who's asking me to pour into them. There's this thing called Grip Outreach for Youth that automatically makes you a, a mentor if, if you're following Jesus as a part of a church community that, that you can actually just participate in that particular thing that, that you said, I don't have nobody coming up to me trying to do that. Ramon's trying to get a student ministry off the ground. It means, hey, man, I got margin in my life. It, there, there's a certain priority that I've given to this in my life that, that, uh, that I'm going to help Ramon get the student ministry up and, and off the ground. I, I've Daddy's got to go to work. Daddy's got to go to work. Daddy's got to go to work. Daddy got to go to work too much. And sometimes Daddy needs to spend time with his children. And Mommy needs to spend time with, with her children so that they can have the opportunity to influence those children for the name and glory of God. And I'm not saying all of that is easy, but when you know you've been a commissioned officer, it takes priority. There is margin in your life so that when somebody comes up to you and asks you to to get coffee or to do something or to hang out or to spend time, that, that that very thing that's in my calendar equals the same kind of priority that this thing over here is my priority. That means that there's space in my budget for this particular thing. That, that means sometimes, and, and, and there's the, the, the one on the Enneagram, some of y'all, somebody, let, let's go grab lunch. And you like, listen, my, listen, we, let me calculate the numbers on this. Uh, my, all right, yeah, I'm over budget on, on, on what I can spend out for food today. It means, no, I got to rearrange the budget. I've got to actually make a line item for the possibility of connection with people because it's a part of being a commissioned officer. It, it, it takes the same amount of priority. I remember when I was, um, I was uh, trying to get into the rhythm of working out again, and I told my friend, I'm, I'm trying to find time to work out, and I just simply can't, can't find the time to work out. And he said to me, Steve, you've got to make it an appointment in your calendar. And until you make an appointment in your calendar, it won't become routine because there's always going to be something else that will become the priority over you going to the gym. But if it's an appointment in my calendar, in my mind, it's, it has the same level of, of imp- with whoever or whatever it is that I do or you do, it has the same level of importance, or at least in my mind, I allow it to have more importance because it's an appointment in my calendar. That's the way that we have to approach as you are going, make disciples. Because we get on this up and to the right mentality, up and to the right, up and to the right with everything in life, and then it shrouds out the very thing that you and I have been commissioned to participate in 
and to do. It, it, it's, it's, man, signing up for Grip Outreach for Youth. It's, it's man, I'm, I'm doing my job with excellence, not so I can get a promotion, but because I'm, I'm, I'm com- a commissioned officer. I'm, I'm kind and compassionate at work. I, I get invited to the happy hour. My, my, my fiction novel binge can wait. Going to go build re- this relational capital with these people because I never know when a life crisis could happen and somebody is looking for answers. What, what are you doing? Come, let's run errands together. I don't have anybody asking me to get, to, to, to get together. I, I, I drive by the same homeless guy on on the way to to work every day introduce yourself what's your favorite snack now I I stay with the same snack for Howard who not because I don't know what's going to happen but I I I put margin in my life Jay because I'm a commissioned officer I'm not going through the motions wondering what, what what does everybody want from me how can I please everybody else Because I'm a commissioned officer, I don't get entangled in the things that aren't a part of the purpose that God has called me to. They don't take priority over those things. And so I've got to create margin in my life. So Jesus says, as you are going, make disciples, produce reproducing followers of Jesus. But then he says in verse 20, to teach them. So as you are going, make disciples. Uh, Verse 20, teach them, verse 20, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, we've been talking about this over the past several weeks, but oftentimes when we see uh, something like this in Scripture, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, we think to ourselves that this uh, this is some kind of lecture. This is some kind of information download, and yet you have to remember that these are the same people that spent three years with Jesus. So when he's telling them to teach them to obey, he's telling them the life that you saw me live, teach that to other people. The the interactions that you saw me have, teach that to other people. Produce reproducing followers of Jesus, not simply by information. And the reason why we get caught up on the information side of things is because, and I said this a couple of weeks ago, we believe that information is the primary mode of change. I was scrolling on Facebook uh, the other day, Jay, and actually a couple of days ago, and this lady had a master class on uh, communication and friendship. And I was like, ooh, I want to get, get on her master class. And I'm sure her master class is wonderful. I'm sure it's incredible. But part of the reason why it always sparks my interest is that I believe that information is the primary way that I'm going to change. And when I look at the reality of my life, it's always been a part of change in my life, but it's only, only ever been a part. It's only ever been... It's only ever been a, a portion. It's only ever been, uh, it's only ever been a section of it. Uh, and so we talked about this uh, acronym RIDE. We said that producing, reproducing followers of Jesus is relational. It, it, it requires connection. We can't just, first time we meet and connect, we, we, like, don't give me the systematic theology download, uh, you know, to my brain. It, it requires trust, and that requires a relationship, and trust and relationship require time. Uh, discipleship is relational. We, we said that discipleship is inspirational. It is a call up to, to what other people see in us. They call us up and out. Uh, the gifts that we have, the, the things that we have, for us, some, somebody can call us up and out. 
uh, to see the things that God has placed in us and experience those things in reality. And then, uh, and then it's doctrinal. There, there is this section of information when it comes to being a follower of Jesus that is important. It, 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 uh, it, it is uh, sort of a foundational element that helps us kind of steer the ship of discipleship. And so I, I brought my study Bible with me today. And part of uh, part of this 101 of, of, of the information side of discipleship is, is simply being equipped with some tools to help you understand the information that's in front of you. Um, and, and the Bible Project online, if you just type in Bible Project and you're studying a passage of, of Scripture, they'll give you the background in multiple different ways of a particular book of the Bible or a particular Scripture. And it's all incredibly, incredibly helpful. And, and for some of us in our particular season of life, man, we need a mentor. We, and this is what I want you to put, I want you to put this in uh, sort of in the lane of, of mentor. There are certain areas of your life where you have reached where you're going to reach, and I need somebody else who's a season ahead of me in life to pour back into me. I, I need somebody who's at that next season of life. Kaylee Puckett got five kids, y'all. She got five kids, and, my, you know, my wife, uh, we got a 15-month-old, and and oftentimes people are talking, and this is this is something that, that I feel like as a guy outside looking in, I can give perspective to because I see it outside looking in, and I'm not saying I'm right about it, but one of the things that I don't understand is that why, why are we not looking to the person who has the five kids who's a season ahead of us in life to say, hey, I need, I need, to, I need to spend some time with you. That's all I, that's all I need to do. I, I got, we've, got, uh, we've got some mothers who are here who have mothered Grow, and they're, now their children are grown adults. And guess what? They know some stuff about what not to do um, that'll bless your soul and your life and your parenting, right? And all it takes is somebody saying, let's get together. Let's, let's spend. It, it requires a humility to, and, and a courage to say, hey, I just want to spend time with you uh, and, 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 uh, and, and, and get what you've got to, to marinate in the life that, that you have. And I love this quote from Bernard of Clairvaux, and it's part of this, this doctrinal piece, the information side of it, because there, there's a part of us that needs to know that the knowledge that we are trying to, uh, to get is not just for us. And you can put it on, on the screen. Bernard of Clairvaux says, there, there are those who seek knowledge for the sake of knowledge. That is curiosity. I want to, that's, I was about to say, that's Kyrie Irving. I won't go there. That is curiosity. There are those who seek knowledge to be known by others. That is vanity. There are those who seek knowledge in order to serve. That is love. All the information that we have, all the information that we're seeking to, to understand about God, is intended to be given away for the sake of others as an act of love. My wife, uh, she went to Rush Hospital, Rush University. What do they call it? It's like Rush Medical Center, Rush University, Rush Hospital. It's like nine different names, but she went to school there, right? And, uh, and there would be a lot of students 
in her class uh, that knew all the right information. They got A's on the test, all the, the technical things, anatomy, biology. And then they got the clinicals. And there's a lot of folk who have a lot of information, know a lot of stuff. But applying that information is the point of the information. And so for, for many of us, we, maybe you've been in, uh, in church your whole life. Maybe this, this is a relatively new thing for you. Uh, but, man, there, there's a ton. Like, you, you spend a ton of time engulfing information, and there's no outlet for that information. Do you know what happens to muscles when they're not used? They tighten and they lock up. And there's no blood flow in those muscles. And it becomes painful. I think that oftentimes, as we journey with God, we come to get the information, get the information, get the information. And there's some part of us because we have not created the margin to actually participate in the as you are going, that spiritually we've atrophied. And maybe part of the reason that we don't feel like we're in a good place spiritually is because we just held on to information and never actually did anything with it. And so the thing I want to impress upon all of us as we participate in this, as we are called to rebuild, whose walk with Christ inspires you? Spend time with that person. Who, who's a season ahead of you in life? Spend time with that person. What's something that you know you need to grow in? Who, who's, who's really good at what you need to grow in? Spend time, uh, spend time with that person. And, and the goal isn't so that you can have a one-off uh, gospel comment and produce a reproducing follower of Jesus. But you have to have the capacity and, and know that you've been commissioned to do that. I love that CJ was here uh, last week. And if you weren't here last week, CJ is my mentor and Pastor Derek's mentor. Uh, when we were 19 years old, we essentially sat at a, a dining room table with him. And for me, he opened up John chapter 3 and it began to explain the gospel to me. And I finally, for the first time last week, I, I realized why CJ gets so much joy out of seeing us and seeing uh, Chris Tabron, who does our social media, and seeing Jared uh, Dawson, who's down in Atlanta, and so many, so many others that this small group of young 19-year-old kids, several years later, is that when he comes and he sees a room like this, CJ was never sitting at that table inviting 19-year-old kids to the table because he knew this was going to happen. He was just being faithful with what God had commissioned him with. And there's going to be a lot of monotony in the process. There's a lot of everyday life in the as you are going. A lot of, uh, uh, a lot of non-exciting times. A lot of no mountaintops. Some valleys and some peaks in between. But the question that we all have to deal with is, will you be faithful with what you've been commissioned with? 
It's not about the mountaintops. It's not about the, the Chris Tabrons and the Steve Cobles and the possibility of those things. It's simply saying, will you be faithful with that 19-year-old that I've placed in your life? Will you be faithful with the children that I've given you? Will you be faithful where I have placed you in Chicago as a marketing consultant, where you are? Will you be faithful? There may not be some great shining moment. You might not even be able to see the fruit of it. But will you be faithful to what you have been commissioned to and give margin to the thing that God has commissioned you as a commissioned officer of the kingdom of God? Because we've all, whether we like to admit it or not, we've all been commissioned. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your grace and for your kindness towards us. And even as this is more of a, a practical message, I, I pray that it would spark conversations for small groups. I pray that it would spark conversations for just conversations like what what is it what where is the, where is the margin where have i uh, kind of you know gotten on the 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 train of everything's got to go up and to the right i got to get the in the promotions and and more money and and more house and more everything those are all those all can every good and perfect gift comes down from the father of lights in whom there is no variation or shadow due to change that is a blessing from god and yet at the same time if it doesn't leave you with margin or it distracts you from what you've been commissioned to, sometimes even the blessings aren't helpful to what we've been called to do. And so I, I pray that as we spark conversations and think through and realign ourselves as people who've been renewed and now being rebuilt, Father, where do we create margin? Uh, and not to be people who say like, all right, I, somebody pour into me, pour into me, pour into me. Uh, not to be consumers, but to be people who have been commissioned. Um, not so that we can get more information, but so that we can do something with the information that we've been entrusted with. So that we can produce not a convert to Christianity or not a person who becomes a follower of Jesus, but that we can produce reproducing followers of Jesus. And if I don't got the answer... Doggone it, Pastor Stephen Derrick went to school for 90 hours to help me find the resource that has the answer. I might not have all the information, but I can be faithful where you have called me and placed me. God, would you allow Amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.